DiscerningHearts.com presents Hope in Difficult Times with St. Therese and her family with Father Timothy Gallagher. This series of programs is a special presentation of the retreat conducted by Father Timothy Gallagher, which features the lives of St. Therese of Lisieux, Saints Louis and Zelle Martin, servant of God Leone Martin, and the entire Martin family. We now begin Conference 2. All right, let's pick right up again with the letters. I listened, you know, in preparation for this, I listened to all those podcasts that I did with Chris on St. Therese and Leonie, and I realized I say all right a lot. <laughs> well, what's that? That's all right. That's all right. All right. Okay, so we're... Uh, this letter of uh, Zeli to her brother, this is April 23rd, 1865. So we're two years later than the first letter that we read. And this is six weeks after the last letter that we read. Hastily, I'm writing you a few words because I'm unable to write you a long letter. I have a violent headache. In fact, uh, she suffered from uh, migraine headaches. Understandably, given the pace of life she was living and the stress that she was carrying. And I'm up against constant aggravation. Moreover, we have my father-in-law. So this is Louis' father, who also was a soldier uh, in earlier life and is close to death. In fact, he will die two months after this letter. And he is now with them in the home, and she is taking care of him. Uh, because she had so many demands on her time, especially as the family got larger and uh, the business grew, uh, they eventually hired a maid to be with uh, Zeli and to assist her with all of this work. And it's quite conceivable that the maid was also helping with this. That brought its blessings, but it also brought some, um, some grave issues that emerged later on. Uh, so let's see, he's 88 years old at this point, who is near death. I don't think he'll live another two weeks. He's dying of old age and already half his body is paralyzed. And now she turns to the, uh, the, the children. Little Leonie, so that's her third, is doing well now as well as the other three. So she's overcome that crisis that could have taken her life and the eczema. Two weeks ago, I went to see Helene, so the one who is with the wet nurse, that is Rose Daye, who is at six miles uh, distant. I can't remember ever having felt such an intense feeling of happiness as at the moment when I took her in my arms. In fact, the, real, the times that Zeli expresses joy, and it's deep joy, as you see in this case, it always has to do with family. Um, her children, uh, probably above all, certainly rejoicing in her brothers doing well. She gets very close to her sister-in-law, her brother's uh, Isidore's um, wife. And here she says it. Um, I can't ever remember ever having felt such an intense feeling of happiness as at the moment when I took her in my arms and she smiled at me so graciously. Just remembering if I can share a personal thing here. Um, I'm from a large family. And I remember my mother saying to me once, you know, of course, the, the baby keeps you up at night. It does all the things that the baby does. But she says, all the baby has to do is smile at you with that smile that is only for the mother. And it's all worth it, you know. 
Um, Zaylee would Zaylee would would not agreement to that. That's what she's expressing here. I believed I was looking at an angel. As I've said, everyone loved Helene. Uh, there was a sweetness and a goodness. She was just pretty as a young child, uh, but there was a goodness that won everyone's heart. Well, I can't express it. I believe we've never seen, nor will ever see, a little girl so charming. My little Helene, when will I have the happiness of possessing her completely? That is, when will she be able to return home and, and live uh, together with her mother and the family. I can't imagine that I have the honor of being the mother of such a delightful creature. Oh, I admit I don't regret being married. And what you're getting there is there was that longing in her for religious life. And what reconciled her to the fact that God was calling her to marriage was her children and just, just the, the love that was there. And it's all worth it because I have these children. Um, if you had seen the two older ones today, so that's Marie and Pauline, how pretty they looked, everyone was admiring them, and I could not take their, uh, my eyes off of them. And me, I was there beaming. I said to myself, they're mine. And I have two others who are not here, so that's Helene and Leonie. One beautiful, that's Helene, and one less beautiful, that's Leonie. The other um, Martin sisters all had the feminine attractiveness, but Leonie didn't. She was plain, and it caused her a lot of suffering uh, until the latter stages of her life when things would begin to go a different way. And one less beautiful that I love as much as the others, but she won't honor me as much. For the first time, you have to say, I don't think you're right on that, uh, Zaylee. That, that daughter, you know, who won't honor you as much, her cause of canonization is now underway. And she is known, you know, throughout the church, and that's going to simply going to grow as uh, time goes by. You see, I know I said this when Chris and I were going through the, the, tape, the podcasts. One of the reasons why it's so helpful for us to get to know the saints, I remember hearing a homily by Archbishop Shapu once where he said, I forget exactly, it was something like this, you always be reading the life of a saint or the writings of a saint. The reason amongst many others why it's so helpful is because I, I imagine there is not one of us here who cannot nod agreement to the joys and sufferings and struggles and worries and anxieties that we're seeing as we go through these letters. And we don't know the end of the story, but in the saint we do. And we see what God can do, which gives enormous hope as we go through that journey without yet seeing the end, but seeing it in others who have walked this before us and how their faith, their prayer, their love for God has seen them through. It's enormously encouraging for us. And now um, she refers to her own health. Let's speak of more serious things. You know that when I was a young girl, I hit my breast on the corner of a table. We didn't think anything of it then, but today I have a gland in my breast that worries me. So we're getting the, the first echoes of what's going to develop over the next years. And she's sharing this with Isidore because he's, he's the one with medical uh, background in the family. You know, she never said anything to Louis. 
until it was so evident. And finally, uh, you know, the, a doctor said something clear to her, and then she told him, and it was terrible for him. Uh, I mean, it was a real shock for him. But she did that because she just didn't want him to worry. And this is another thing like mother, like daughter. When Therese has that, um, whatever, that, that upsurge of blood, you know, on that um, Holy Thursday night, and then again on Good Friday, and she, she coughs up blood. And she tells her superior, uh, it, it's a sign that something serious is going on. And, um, but she doesn't tell her sister Pauline, who in the Carmel is Sister Agnes of Jesus. And she doesn't tell her for a year. And finally, she has to share it with her because it's just so evident now. And that was very hard for her sister, who, of course, would have wanted to know. But Therese just doesn't want her to worry. And she knows that she will worry. And so you see it in uh, Zeli here as well. Um, we didn't think anything of it then, but today I have a gland in my breast that worries me, especially since it started to be a little painful. However, when I touch it, it doesn't hurt, although I feel some numbness several times a day, every day. Well, I don't know what else to say about it, but what's certain is that it's making me suffer. So in addition to everything else, you know, care for a growing family and the business, she's also carrying this. And we just can keep that in mind as, uh, as the years go by. <clears throat> Excuse me. Another like mother, like daughter, nobody knew that she was carrying these things. And the same thing with Therese. Uh, one of the qualities, apparently, from what I've read about tuberculosis is that the face will look normal, even as the body is wasting away. And of course, she was wearing the habit. So that's really all people saw of her was her hands and her face. And her face looked normal. In fact, you look at all the pictures of Therese, even the last ones, she still looks healthy if you just all you see is the face. Um, and she never said much about it. Nobody really even knew except the two or three, her superior and so forth, her couple of her sisters, what she was suffering. In fact, some of them even said, well, why are they making such a big deal about it? And she looks fine, you know. <clears throat> and that's Zaylee as well, too. So she asks her brother, what can I do about it? I'm quite confused. I'm not afraid of an operation. No, I'm completely willing to have it but I don't have complete confidence in the doctors here. Alençon is just a small town. In fact, when things will be serious close to the end, and finally there's the diagnosis that is just evident. And uh, she will meet with a doctor in Lisieux. Her brother has her come up to Lisieux to meet with this Dr. Nota, who is a well-known surgeon and highly respected doctor. And uh, he says to her at that point, um, because the question of a surgery was on the table, would they find a surgeon in Paris or someone to do this? And he says to her, uh, earlier on, a surgery could have been possible, but at this point, um, a surgery is no longer possible. But you'll see through these years that this question of should I or should I not have the surgery, this will appear um, from time to time. And so I'm not afraid of an operation. I'm willing to do it but she wants to know that it's a good doctor. I would like to take advantage of your stay in Paris. So he's studying in Paris. He can speak with or find um, connections to um, competent doctors there. 
because you can help me a lot in this situation. There's only one thing that holds me back and look what it, what it is. How will my husband manage during this time? If I have the surgery and I'm away from the home and there's all the time of recovery and here are all these children and the business, just what's going to happen? How, how my, I, she just doesn't want to leave this, her husband alone with this. So I say it is always other centered. And uh, that's that abnegation that Pauline notes in her mother. Um, I know nothing about the surgery. Be kind enough to tell me your thoughts on this subject as soon as possible. Louise sends you his kindest, kindest regards. And since you don't want to pursue your studies for a doctorate, so this is the point where uh, Isidore, her brother, has decided that he's not going to pursue studies toward becoming a doctor and instead moves toward pharmacy, um, to becoming a pharmacist. So since that's the case, Louis would like you to have a pharmacy like that of Monsieur, this R is uh, this man, Vital Romé, who was a good friend of, um, of Louis. In fact, the whole Romé family, they were all friends. And he was the founder. Remember that photo of Louis with this group of men? It was this Vital Romé who uh, founded that group. And uh, Vital Romé is a pharmacist, and he has a pharmacy in Alençon, and he's ready to let it. Uh, let it go and to sell it. And Louis kind of hopes, hopes that Isidore, uh, when he finishes his study, will come to Alençon and uh, purchase perhaps even that pharmacy. He would like you to have a pharmacy like that of Monsieur Vital Romé, and that very one, if it were possible. There's nothing else to tell you, but this is already enough. I, who was only going to write you a few lines. I think this is a good time to just see some uh, images of the members of her brother's family. So this is the Therese and her sisters, aunt and uncle, and their first cousins. And they have a large part to play in this story. So this is the Garan family. Uh, that's um, Zeli's maiden name, as we've seen. Uh, Isidore is her younger brother. He's the one to whom she's writing these letters. And when he did uh, settle in Lisieux and bought the pharmacy there, he wound up marrying the daughter of the man who had owned the pharmacy, Celine, who is, um, she's another one who just wins you over as you get to know her. A deep love developed between this uh, Celine Guerin and her sister-in-law, Celine. And in fact, she would become the next mother for the children by Celine's request. That you have that powerful moment, it's the day before uh, Zeli dies. She's no longer able to speak. And uh, Isidore and his wife, Celine, are there in the room. And um, Zeli just gazes at length at Celine and um, her sister-in-law, who later describes this in, in a letter to her, um, well, to her nieces, the five. She said, I understood the look. I knew what she was asking. You know, she wanted me to be the mother for these children who now have no mother. In fact, that's why the family moved to Lisieux. So they lived in Lisieux, the Fournay Pharmacy. They had three children, uh, Jeanne and Marie. So they had two daughters um, who will be throughout all of this correspondence. They were playmates of the, of the Martin girls and there was a lot of closeness there. Uh, she also, um, they had a boy, Paul, who uh, was stillborn. It's one of the strike. Well, I don't want to get ahead of the story. All right. So the, the, the two, um, their two first cousins, and there was uh, just a very close bond between them. 
that's uh, that photograph that we've been quoting a part of. So I'd say Lee at 26, you see Isidore is 10 years younger, uh, her brother, and then Celie two years older, uh, Elise two years older than um, Celie. In fact, there's a letter. So she was she would have been 12 when he was born. And in one of the letters, like her sister, you know, she's kind of chiding him for not being where he ought to be in the way he's living his faith and so on. And she says, you were very pretty as a boy. It's a pity you didn't stay like that. You know, <laughs> uh, she says to him. Uh, so this is the oldest Elise who becomes Sister Marie Docite in the vis visitation. And then Isidore at later times in his life as a young man, the uncle of the Martin sisters, again, a little bit later, getting toward older age. And this is Celine, uh, his wife, Celie's sister-in-law. Um, as they say, um, you just really, you can't help but like her as you get to know her. There she is in older age. And she's the only one of the, um, all of these pictures where you get at least a little bit of a smile. Now, the reason for that is that photography in those days, uh, uh, the photographer needed nine seconds to take the exposure. And that's why you always see people just, uh, there's no movement in them and the mouths are always closed because they if, just try that sometime, just stand some, you can't smile for nine seconds like that. So that's why you never see um, the smiles and why the, everything looks very, um, you know, immobile almost because they did have to stand still for nine seconds. But she, more than the others, you get a little bit of a smile there. Another picture of her in older age. Uh, that's uh, those are her two girls. If we have time, we'll get to a letter of Therese to her, and then her response. And that's uh, Marine and Jean. Jean was the oldest, and then Marie, uh, the youngest. She eventually became a Carmelite as well, in the Carmel in Lisieux. Oh, okay. And there they are, a little bit older. Jean is the taller one, and then Marie, the smaller one. And then we'll see them in a later age. Jeanne was the only one of all these cousins who married. Uh, the five Martin sisters all entered the Carmel, and her sister, uh, Marie, also entered the Carmel. So she's the only one that married. And uh, she and her husband, to their great sorrow, were unable to have children. So the, the family really ends. You have two generations, and the family really ends there. Not in the eyes of God. And... <laughs> The work of grace, obviously, it's very well known. Maria, he's a little bit older. Okay, so let's go back to the letters then. So um, let's see what's. All right, the next letter is uh, takes us to a year and seven months later. Uh, in the meantime, obviously, Isidore has married uh, Celine. Uh, he has moved uh, to Lisieux and so forth. And um, Celie is writing about, this would be her, her fifth child now, this little boy, uh, Joseph Louis. And I should have a slide there. Uh, that's okay, her husband. No, I guess it's going to be later on. Yeah, that's, um, this is an image of, now the, M, the MJL that you see there, 
what they did was for all of the nine children, the first name was Marie, um, Mary. They didn't use it except for the oldest, who was Marie, but it was always there, even for the boys. So the first name was, this, his name was Marie Joseph Louis. Of course, Joseph, you know, and then Louis, his father. Um, I imagine that's how they chose the name. And that's, uh, this is from uh, an image that um, Therese put together later on. So he has been born now. He's two months old at this time. And again, of course, um, Zelie is unable to, um, to nurse him himself. And so this child also goes to Semaye, to Rose Taye, the one that we've seen before. I just came back from seeing my little Joseph. Zelie always hoped for a priest from the family. It was a deep desire of her heart which gets fulfilled in a certain way in Therese um, later on in the story. I just came back from seeing my little Joseph. So he's with Rose Taillet. So again, 12 miles of walking. Oh, my beautiful little boy. He's so big and strong. It's impossible to wish for better. I never had a child who did so well except for Marie. Ah, uh, if you knew how I love my little Joseph, I believe my fortune is made. Now, we don't have letters because there's uh, a gap in the letters at this point of about 10 months. But what happens is just three months after that letter that we just read, this baby dies. And uh, so it's the first death uh, in the family of her, her first son. And as I say, we can't read letters about this because there are none. And there's, a, as I say, there are there are gaps throughout the letters, uh, throughout the years in them. Um, the baby died of two things, according to what the scholars say. This erysipelas, and I'm just going to give you descriptions that I found online. We'll let the doctors. Uh, tell us more about this. And this is described as a bacterial infection of the skin's outer layers. And the symptoms are redness, pain at the affected site, fever and chills. And just imagine Saley seeing this in, in this little boy. And then secondly, enteritis. And this was a scourge they were all terribly afraid of uh, for young children. And it did cause, a, there was very high infant mortality at this time. So inflammation of the small intestine may involve the stomach, gastritis, and the large intestine, colitis, viral or bacteria infection. And it's of these illnesses that this young boy dies. Yeah, as I say, we don't have letters, but we will see things later on, which will show us what Zaylee must be going through at this time. So for the first time, well, of course, uh, Louis' husband has just died. They've gone through that. But this is the first of her children uh, to die. The reason I say, well, again, I don't want to uh, anticipate the story. All right. So this is 13 months later. Oh, kiss my sister-in-law for me. Tell her that I truly love her. And she really did. A little letter as soon as possible would make me so happy. You know, just, uh, you could write a little more than you do you know, to her brother. 13 months later, and now her second boy is born. And this is Joseph Jean-Baptiste. So when Therese writes this, it's again Marie 
and then Joseph, and in this case, John the Baptist, uh, Jean-Baptiste. Joseph Jean-Baptiste is the second of her, her boys. So uh, let's see. She writes uh, to the Isidore and Celine. On Thursday the 19th at 10.15 in the morning, my little Marie Joseph Jean-Baptiste was born. He's very strong and quite lively, but I had a terrible time and the baby was in the greatest danger. For four hours, I suffered the most severe pain I've ever felt. Imagine that the mothers here can understand that in a way that the rest of us cannot. Uh, sometimes she will say of some of the births that it was easy. You know, there was just a half hour of labor and so on, but this one was not easy. Um, the, the poor little one was almost as asphyx asphyxiated and the doctor baptized him before his birth. Now I'm perfectly fine. I got up for a little while and I'm taking advantage of it by writing to you. So this is just two days after that birth. And she says, I'm fine and I'm writing to you and so on, you know. I wish with all my heart, my dear sister, that's how she thinks of Celine Geren, that you'll be happier than I am because uh, she is pregnant at this point and she is one month away from the birth of her first daughter, which will be Jeanne that we just saw. So Celie, who just went through this painful, difficult time says, I hope it will be easier for you. And that you'll be, that you'll be happier than I am. I ask God that it be so, and that he give you a beautiful baby. I won't write more now. I'll, soon I'll send you a longer letter. My little one has just left with the wet nurse. So again, this child goes with this rose taille. Again, uh, it, it's Zaylee who would give anything to have the baby with her in the home and nurse the baby herself, just physically can't do it. And they know they can trust this woman, Rose. I'm afraid he won't be easy to raise. He cried from Thursday night until this morning. That is 36 hours nonstop. The wet nurse did not undress for two nights. She just stayed with the baby, obviously. Last night, I was so sorry to see the poor little one writhing in pain that I didn't sleep. I was crying as was the wet nurse, who didn't want, uh, the, uh, the wet nurse has come to the Martin family home but with the idea that she's going to take the baby with her when she goes back home, uh, who didn't want to take him with her because she was too afraid that he would die at her house. This morning, the doctor reassured us. The baby was calm all morning long. All he did was sleep, and he was sleeping when he left this afternoon. Two weeks later. Yesterday, I received news of my little Joseph. He's quite cute, and they have to wake him up to make him drink. He's always sleeping and hardly ever cries. I'm longing to see him very much because I'm in constant fear ever since the tragedy of his little brother. So she saw one die and now she's just afraid it'll happen again. However, I believe that God will leave this little one with me. Six weeks later to her brother Isidore. And this is about her brother's business, first of all. Your last letter made me happy. However, now can you see that there's not a, really a thing about herself in any of this? This is all about the other family members. 
You know how John Paul II spoke of the law of the gift? That is that we never become happy by insisting on my time, my plans, my projects, my way. But it's when we make the gift of ourselves to another in love that a wonderful thing, wonderful thing happens. We, we become happy. Um, and you, you see this lived, um, I'd almost want to say to its utmost in Zelie. Um, and you will see it in a way that I can only describe as relentless in Therese. Uh, Therese, this is, she is almost, I would say, relentlessly other-centered. Okay, your last, uh, let's see. However, I would like your business to do even better. So the pharmacy is, seems to have improved. And I won't be happy until you can tell me that each year you put eight to 10,000 francs aside, which is a substantial amount. So try to write to me as soon as you're able to do this. In the meantime, here's the older sister. You must take heart and not worry. I was like you when I began my Alençon lace business and I made myself sick over it. Now I'm much more reasonable. I worry much less and resign myself to all the unfortunate events that happened to me and may happen to me. And this is something that um, for me is a little bit of a puzzle uh, in Zaylee because she will say this from time to time. I used to worry, but I don't worry so much anymore, but she does worry. She does. And she never really stops. You know, that it's, it's uh, always part of who she is. Maybe she's just trying to encourage her brother to work or uh, to worry less. That's probably what's going on there. I tell myself that God allows it, and then I don't think about it anymore. Two months later. So today I saw little Joseph. So this is uh, Joseph Jean-Baptiste. He was sick for almost two weeks. He's doing much better, but he's lost a lot of weight and is not very strong. He's as pretty as a little bouquet, and he laughs heartily and joyfully until he chokes. I'd, very, I'd like very much for God to leave him with me. I pray and beg him for this every day. If, however, he doesn't wish it, I'll have to resign myself. The wet nurse always says to me that he's going to die, that he's like the other jo little Joseph. I have to go and console her. But I don't see him dying, thank God. Okay, this is 10 days later, and Celine's first child, Jean, has just been born on this day. My dear sister, we received the telegram about nine o'clock this morning. Here at last is the little Jeanne so longed for. May God keep her with you and may she be your joy. You wouldn't believe how happy I'd be if I could leave with my father, who is still living in Alençon, to go give you both a hug. Oh, I, if I could just go and hug you, you and the baby, you can't imagine how happy I'd be. Uh, I find him so privileged. Uh, let's see. I envy him, but I have to resign myself to staying because there's no way of doing otherwise. When I told him, her father, the good news, my father was peacefully seated in the corner by the fire smoking his pipe. He wasn't at all determined to leave so quickly. It took all the energy I had to sway him. Finally, I succeeded. So he's not in any major hurry to hop the train and, and go traveling, but... Um, you know, uh, Zaylee convinces him, and he does go. I assume the baptism will take place tomorrow. 
Isidore must write me Wednesday morning to give me your news and that of your charming little Jeanne. As soon as you recover, I'm expecting a letter from you because you'll give me so many more details than my brother. He doesn't tell me half of what he should, and his letters are always too short. All right, a few weeks later to her brother, tell my father that we're eagerly, eagerly awaiting his arrival, his return from Lisieux. Above all, little Helene, who every time she returns from class, asks if her grandpa has arrived. And here's Leonie now. Leonie, this is just one little indication, is very worried about her little cousin. She made our lives miserable yesterday. All morning long, she had it in her head to leave for Lisieux, and she wouldn't stop crying. We had no peace until her father got angry and told her she couldn't go. Now, this is the, the gentle, patient Louis. Um, she must have really been disrupting the house for even Louis finally to get angry and be very firm with her. The two oldest girls pester me every day, wanting to know how much time remains until summer vacation when we'll go to see you. Because they would go in the summers. That was always a major thing. And spend some weeks with their, their cousins. <clears throat> and then also sometimes go to the sea. We'll return to Hope in Difficult Times with St. Therese and her family with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Hope in Difficult Times with St. Therese and her family with Father Timothy Gallagher. All right, six weeks later, uh, to uh, her sister-in-law. Your last letter made me very happy. I was so eager to hear from you, and I still am because I'd like to know how little Jean is doing, as well as all of you. And now she returns to her own um, little baby boy, Joseph Jean-Baptiste. However, I've had plenty of reasons to be anxious over the youngest one, who was very sick three weeks ago. The wet nurse arrived sobbing to tell me there was no hope that he was sick exactly like his little brother. The fear of seeing him die in her home frightened her so much that she wanted to return him to me. The doctor went there right away, and he's 
and saw he had bronchitis. We took care of him as best we could, and now he's completely cured. She's always hoping for the best, you know. A little bit later, we went to see him today. So she and Louis walked together these miles. He smiled at his father and me as if he knew us. I feel so deprived not having him with us, and I'm longing for the moment when he returns. Although I already fear extra the extra problems his return will bring us because we're so overworked here. And watch how she describes this. If I had three times less work, I'd still have so much that I'd rarely have a free moment. That's why you get her writing these letters, you know, at, uh, in the late evening into the uh, very late hours um, of the evening. Uh, let's see. But it's such sweet work to take care of little children. If I only had that, if I only had that to do, it seems to me I'd be the happiest of women. But it's quite necessary that their father and I work to earn money for their dowries. This is what I mentioned earlier. This is what's driving her uh, relentlessly in this application to this uh, lace making business, and that, that she can't let it go because she is so concerned that her daughters not have to go through what she went through. Otherwise, when they're grown, they won't be very happy with us. Everyone here is in good health, but my poor Leonie, and that's how she would always speak of Leonie, la pauvre Leonie. Her husband had a different way of speaking of her. Uh, Louis spoke of her as la bonne Leonie, the good Leonie, and that was true because they all said it. She is disruptive, unmanageable, um, but everybody knew that she had a heart of gold. And that's why you can go through the whole life of Leonie. Leonie never had an enemy ever in her life. People could get irritated with her and frustrated with her because she was so uh, meticulous and took forever to do things that should only take a minute to do and all the rest of it. But everybody knew that she had a good heart. And that's what that her father calls her La Bonne Le, uh, Leonie. But Celie speaks of her as uh, here, la, ma pauvre Leonie. So, but my poor Leonie took a bad fall and has two very large and deep cuts on her forehead. This is the writing of a canonized saint. What does that say about what sanctity is? And how approachable it is. Don't have to go off to a monastery. That's one of the things that really strikes me in this whole story, and in Therese, you see it expressed, that we, we don't need anything other than what we already have to become saints. We already have everything we need to love and become saints. It's all right there. And Zaylee, it was just her home and her family. That's all it was. Therese's world was even smaller, you know, roughly 20, 25 people in a monastery, that's all it was. Uh, let's see, this is the third, uh, how long have we been going? Um, like to go for about an hour, can we do that? Okay, can you bear another 20 minutes or so? <laughs> or so? Okay, all right. Those are the, uh, those are called courtesy questions when you expect the answer, yes, you know. Someday somebody's gonna say no. Um, 
Let's see, Leonie, this is the third time she has cut her forehead and the marks from the first two times are very noticeable. I'm sorry about that. And now she does uh, refer to the other side of Leonie. But on the other hand, she has the best nature you could imagine. She and Pauline are charming. Little Helene is very cute as well. Marie has a very special and determined nature. And this was true throughout her life of Marie. Her father, uh, Louis, had nicknames for all, each of the five of his daughters. And his nickname, uh, because he had worked in jewelry, some of them were jewels. And so he called uh, Marie his diamond. You know, it's just strong, tough. Um, and also l'intrepide, uh, the intrepid one. Um, and uh, she was, yeah, she could stand her ground and be blunt and do what needed doing. And at some points along the story, uh, that served the family very well. So she's already here as a, as a little girl, uh, a very special and determined nature. She is the prettiest, but I'd like her to be more obedient. When you write to me, don't mention what I say to you about this child other than being so gifted. My husband wouldn't be happy. She's his favorite. And in fact, uh, Marie was his favorite. Later on, when Therese is born, uh, she will have a very special place. All right, this is four months later now to Isidore. And again, asking about a medical condition of her young son. I think we're again going to have the tragedy of losing little Joseph. He's very near death. This morning, Louis assured me that it would take a miracle to save him. Everybody tells me as much. He's been so much worse since Tuesday. Until then, his condition was not serious and didn't prevent him from eating or sleeping. He even seemed not to suffer because he was very cheerful and never cried. Only he didn't thrive. For the last five days, he's been throwing up everything he eats. I saw two doctors, and again, doesn't get much help. One prescribed nothing and the other not much. I believe they don't have any hope of saving him. I'm truly disheartened, and I don't even have the strength to take care of him. It tears my heart out to see a little person suffer, suffer so much. He, has, he only has a mournful cry. For 48 hours, he hasn't closed his eyes. He's doubled over with pain. When you receive this letter, he will probably be dead. So my dear friends, if you come, because uh, we're in the summer and they're thinking of making a visit, coming down to Alençon, if you come, you see the joy that awaits you. However, I always hope and can't imagine that God will not leave my dear little boy with me. And this next is written the following day. My dear Isidore, my dear little Joseph died this morning at seven o'clock. I was alone with him. He had a night of cruel suffering and tearfully I asked for his deliverance. My heart was relieved when I heard him utter his last sigh. I am for life, your loving and very unhappy sister. And I'll quote here something from Marie that she uh, writes later on. <clears throat> And he dies of enteritis again and the bronchitis that the doctor, um, Marie. So she writes this in, in much later life. I can see his little coffin in the, I still see his little coffin in the office. Mama had put a crown of white roses on him. And she said, looking at him, my God, must he be put in the ground? 
but since you want it, may your will be done. And you know, it's this that gets Zeli through these deep sorrows of her life. It's her faith and her trust in God and her willingness to do God's will, whatever it may cost her. Without that, I don't know how she could have gotten through uh, what she went through. But that's always the bottom line, even in tears and in great sorrow, but that's her rock. But since you want it, may your will be done. What courage, and that's the right comment that Marie makes, what faith. I was eight, and this sight was profoundly engraved in my heart. She didn't cry, she couldn't cry in the circumstances, and her amazing energy caused everyone to say that she didn't suffer from the death of her children, that her faith was so great that she was happy to give them to God. Poor little mother, happily he who sees into hearts saw all her anguish. So that's what people would have seen from the outside. She's active, she's taking care of things, um, making things happen as they need to happen. And people don't see, you know, her collapsing and, and just sobbing. They don't see this kind of thing, so much so that they know she's a woman of faith. And they, they will say to themselves, um, she has so much faith that she rejoices to see this child with God in heaven for eternity. She doesn't feel sorrow. And so what Maria is saying is, is exactly the contrary. Of course, she did have that faith, and that was a source of consolation for her. But you can see from the letters that we're writing here, that reading here, how deeply she suffered, uh, in this case, at the death of the second of her boys, and the last of the boys that she would have. That's why when you read the story, there are no boys in it. Because uh, Celine, her sister-in-law, has the one boy who is stillborn, and Zeli has the two boys, both of whom, as we've seen, die in their first year. So that uh, it's daughters from then on in, uh, in both families. All right, something else now happens in just days after this. So this is her father, uh, Isidore Sr. And uh, he's living in Alençon. He is 79 years old at this point, And he enters into his last illness and dies actually five days after the death of Joseph Jean Baptiste. So she loses her second son and her father in a matter of five days. And I just in the interest of, of space, um, well, I, I haven't quoted the entirety of the letters here. What's happening is that she and Isidore has come down and they are taking turns staying with their father in his last days. And they're both at the point where they're exhausted and trying to spell each other, you know. Um, my brother asked me to give you an account of what happened today. He's tired, and I sent him to rest. This morning at 7 o'clock, we both said the prayers for the dying at my father's bedside. At 10 o'clock, he began to feel better. This improvement continued throughout the day, and we hope to save him. He speaks much more freely and is interested in everything. This evening, he's a little worse. The fever returned. I'm afraid of what will happen during the night. Goodbye, my dear sister. As you see, I'm in great pain. This is a sad week for me. My dear little angel who was so beautiful had to leave us. I wish with all my heart that you'll never know such sorrow. And my poor father, I'm so afraid of losing him too. She had a difficult relationship with her mother. Her mother was as we've described, but her relationship with her father was different. 
and there was uh, a real warm love there. So this is five days later now, again to her sister-in-law, Celine. You know the latest loss we have suffered. This morning at five o'clock, our good father offered up his soul into the hands of God. And I haven't given all the details here, but it was, a, it was the death any one of us would hope for, uh, with faith, with the sacraments and prayer. And Zeli was very consoled by the way that he died, even as she felt the sorrow of it. Last night, the fever returned. He had been feeling better all day, and the doctor hoped to save him. I stayed to take care of him until midnight. Our poor dear father suffered horribly, and I shudder just thinking about it. Each breath was an effort. However, I had seen him this bad before, and I hesitated a long time before calling my brother, who so needed his rest. I believed our good father was going to get better, as he had done so many times. And then they switch. Uh, Isidore comes, and he sends her off to rest. At 5 o'clock, the servant called him to tell him that my father's eyes were were lifeless and that he had died. There was still time. They came to look for me and I was barely able to see his last sigh. I had been, I'd been well expecting that the end was quite near, but my heart was broken in sorrow and at the same time full of heavenly consolation. That's almost, I don't know, it's almost a description of Zelie. My heart was broken in sorrow and at the same time full of heavenly consolation, heavenly consolation. As I say, that's almost a summary of, a, of Zelie's life. Um, His grave will be very near that of my two little Josephs. Later, these would all be transferred to Lisieux after the death of Therese when uh, her renown spread. Goodbye, my dear sister, I embrace you as well as your little Jeanne. But each time I intend to speak of her, my heart aches to think of my little Joseph, who was such a handsome and sweet little boy. I had eagerly looked forward to showing him to you, but what can you do? I'm used to sorrow. Uh, yeah, let's go a little bit further. So the next is four days later. And again, to her sister-in-law. As I said, a deep affection develops between the two of them. I'm truly touched by the very affectionate concern you showed me, and I'm grateful to you for it. I'm sorry that poor Isidore is sick. Uh, that would be her brother. But he has to be reasonable and resign himself to the will of God. I preach to others, and I'm hardly reasonable myself. That is, be reasonable and resign to the will of God. Saturday, I looked everywhere for my father, and it seemed to me that I was going to find him. You know, um, I, we all have, probably most of us here, not all of us, uh, will have lost our parents to, to God. And I remember that experience after my dad died, and... Uh, it was maybe the next day or so. We'd done the funeral and everything. And I was in the house together with my mom. And I don't know how it came about, but we wound up uh, putting on some family videos, you know. And uh, at a certain point, of course, my dad was there. And uh, I had this, you know, striking sense that I've never forgotten that he was there. 
you know, that, uh, and to my own mind, the experience of losing a parent, especially if the parent, you know, has lived with the Lord and so forth, is one of the clear, clearest, I'd, I'd say, proofs. It's not an intellectual syllogism reasoned out, but it's very real. You know that that life is not over. And you know it in a way that no one can ever, no one can ever tell you otherwise. And if they ask you to prove it, what you can say is, I just, I know it. And I know it in a way that there's no doubting. And it's something like that, a little bit, that we're getting here in uh, Zaylee. Uh, I looked, Saturday, I looked everywhere for my father. It seemed to me that I was going to find him. I couldn't imagine that I was going to be separated from him forever. Yesterday, I went to the cemetery. To see me, one would have said, and this is what people saw, here is the most indifferent person in the world. I was kneeling at the foot of his grave, and I couldn't pray. My own guess is she, she's just numb. But, you know, um, a few steps away, I knelt by that of my two little angels, the same apparent indifference. I walked along a path that I had taken five weeks ago with my little baby and my father. I couldn't tell you all I was feeling. I didn't pay attention to anything happening around me. I looked at the places where my father had sat, and I stood there almost without thinking. Never in my life had I felt such heartache. When I arrived home, I couldn't eat. It seemed as if I would now be indifferent to any misfortune that happened to me. Again, my guess is the heart just can't absorb anymore at this point. If you knew, my dear sister, how much I loved my father, he was always with me. I never left him. And in, in fact, throughout his life, both of them were in Alonson. He would help me as much as he could. You know, you see that picture of him there, and he looks kind of intimidating. <laughs> um, but her experience of him is not that, you know. There's a warmth and a love there. This morning, I received a letter from Elise. So she has learned of the death of her father as well. She told me that at first she cried so much that she lost her voice, but now her soul rejoices in thinking of the grace that God gave us in the holy death of our father, which it really was. And that's like Zeli again, you know, the, the sorrow and the consolation on the level of faith. Apparently within the community of the sisters, they're making the stations of the cross and offering their communion for the repose of his soul. Okay, Zelie goes through this four times. Uh, she loses four of her children. And I've chosen to go through a set of letters that takes us through one of these. And that's the death of her second son, Joseph Jean-Baptiste. But this will repeat four times uh, for, for Zélie. And uh, we won't go through, again, I just had to make a selection, which was very difficult because every letter, every letter has something to, uh, to, to, to say. Um, this is, well, all right, let me just give this. It's out of context, but the slides are here. Yeah, so let's do this. You can see we, these letters are written in uh, this letter, last letter that we looked at was 1868. And um, 
The next that we'll look at takes us to 1870. In the meantime, um, this is, the family goes through war. Uh, France and Germany declare war on each other. This is Bismarck and uh, uh, Louis Napoleon III and so forth, each of them wanting to be dominant in uh, Europe. And the French are utterly crushed in this battle. And this is, these are the seeds of World War I, actually, you know, what happens here. Uh, so Germany does not yet exist as we know it today. It's a coalition of states, and Bismarck is about the process of consolidating these into a single and what became very powerful nation. And uh, this war and the complete defeat of the French ends the domination of the French in Europe. If you think upon their Napoleon and so forth, that is uh, completely shattered, which leaves a wound. Again, as you can, you can see the seeds of the First World War in all of this. And it is the creation of a unified Germany and the complete humiliation of France. This is not just abstract history because the Martin family is going to go through this war and it's gonna to touch even their very home. Uh, so the Battle of Sedan was the, um, the um, crushing defeat, as we say here, the battle, the war was really decided at that point. And then a, comment, a commentary by one of the historians. So their army has essentially been defeated at this point. There's no hope of victory, but they continue to resist. French resistance was carried on against desperate odds by a new government of national defense. Actually, uh, Napoleon III is taken prisoner by uh, the Germans. They, uh, in Paris, they set up another government which assumed power in Paris on September 4th, 1870. Uh, Léon Gambetta, the leading figure in the provisional government, organized new French armies. And there's some question about Isidore and Louis. Are they going to be part of this? Uh, these engaged but could not defeat the German forces. Okay, um, that's, I just have that there because in the next letter, Louis, um, this has financial um, financial troubles arise for the family as in the midst of a war, obviously the businesses uh, are gonna be harmed by this. All right, well, we'll end it here and um You've been listening to the podcast, which contains the audio taken from the Discerning Hearts Retreat, Hope in Difficult Times with St. Therese and her family with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this audio or to view the video taken at the retreat, visit discerninghearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app or on the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Hope in Difficult Times with St. Therese and her family with Father Timothy Gallagher.